following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. NFL Week 7 edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. The batter, Steve Fezzik. To my right, the bookmaker, Matty Ho. To my left, I'm R.J. Bell. And guys, we are excited about a jam. Jam-packed show, action-packed. We got three best bets, and last week, another winning week on the best bets. These guys have been killing it, killing it. Also, one double like this week. They both like the same game, bookmaker and batter. We don't just have one crossfire. We have two crossfires this week. We also have pros versus Joes, sharp money, couple of total picks. Man, oh, man. Like I said, jam-packed. And, guys, I'm going to say this very quickly, and we'll get to it. The feedback, we went up again over 15% last week. And for those that listen, it knows at the end of the pod, we'll have another special kind of thank you for that. But I just want to thank you at a personal level. The way we're growing is you guys are spreading the word. And when you send out a link to your buddy, send it out on social media, embed it somewhere, whatever you're doing, give us, and this helps, go to your player and give us a five-star rating, like on iTunes. All of it helps to spread the word. The more money you uh, help us make, quite frankly, because this is this costs money. The bigger that this thing is, the the more money we can put into it. And I'll be candid. We've probably lost money directly over the years with the Dream Preview. I don't mind losing a little bit because... It's such a passion project, and also we get to at least expose what we do at pregame to so many people. But obviously, with any business, there's a budget. There's only so much you can spend. The more views and listeners we have, the more we can spend, and the more time we can spend. As they say, time is money. So thank you so much. Let's get straight to it this week. Game number one that we're going over, we've got. Well, this one is a power ratings disagreement. And it's Steve Fezzik against, well, a guy named Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd has the Seattle Seahawks as the third best team in the NFL. Fez, you disagree. Yeah, I've got them as the sixth best team, but I'm kind of concerned. I got them too high, RJ. Let's explain my concerns with Seattle. Really one game. When they played at the LA Rams, the Rams dominated that entire game. But everything just went wrong. Not that Seattle beat them. The Rams beat themselves. The running back early on the first drive reaches the ball for the pylon. It rolls out of his hand, out of the end zone, touchback. The Rams dominated the statistics, should have won that game. Seattle is always a team that comes on in November and December. They're never belonging in the top of the power ratings in October. They're a team that gels later on. Their stats are very mediocre. Yards per play differential right about that of a 500 football team. No way Seattle should be in the top three. Fez disagrees with Colin. I do too. You know, Maddie, this is a, a great example of what I talk about, about narrative. If we went into the season thinking Seattle was going to win five games, if they had the exact same season so far, we'd be looking at them like the Jets, as in, 
uh, record's not bad, you know, played bad here, weak offensive line. And, you know, you add it up. There's nothing, and correct me if I'm wrong, objectively, if this was like in the NCAA tournament in a blind, you know, kind of a blind uh, resume, what is it on Seattle's resume other than their pedigree based on this year's performance? It could even have them as a top 10 team. I don't think there is anything. I think you agree it, with that, Fez? Absolutely. They're, they've been lucky, actually. They got a plus turnover differential. They have an easy schedule. There's a lot to not like about Seattle. I mean, they, they are still holding on to those two Super Bowl appearances with basically this team. And the fact that they've won some games and some of these final scores, to Fez's point, are really not indicative of the games. I also thought they should have lost to the Rams, which is why I was on the Rams again this past week. But not only that game, it was they were down 15-10 to Indianapolis at halftime. The Colts completely implode and, and they start turning the ball over and that score gets out of whack. But this is not the same Seattle Seahawks team that went to two Super Bowls. And anyone that watches the games knows the O-line is a big problem for Seattle. And that makes Russell Wilson more conservative. I mean, to me, when you have such a deficiency in one position group, it, it's hard to sometimes make up for it, quite frankly. And you, cause you try to compensate for it. And then that the, the compensation hurts you. Let me quickly talk about the narrative and then we'll get into the game. When a team is supposed to be good, and they don't play good. As soon as they play good for a half or two, it's like, oh, see, see, that's the team. That's what we were waiting on. And if you think a team is bad, they can play good 80% of the time, but the 20% is bad. See, 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 that's the problem. And I think if you objectively, and I think that's an interesting question, guys, that if you disagree, tweet us, go to pregame.com in the forum, start a thread. We can talk about it. But if you just look blindly at Seattle, what part of their stats, what part of their record, what part of their scores makes them more than, you know, a top 10 team even. So I agree with you. Disagree with my friend Colin. We're objective here in Vegas. I think Seattle's overrated. Let's talk about the game. Opened up a seven and a half point favorite at New York. Now a five and a half point favorite. Seattle is on the road. I'm going to open with a question, Fez. What? The heck happened, as we say on our Fox show nationally on Friday and Saturday night. WTF? That Giants domination seemingly was uh, one of the most surprising games of the last couple of years. Absolutely, two things happened. The Broncos came in completely flat. It's a game of emotion. We talk about that. These players see the point spread. They knew they were laying 13, 13 and on a, a half. Sunday night game in front of the world. And they took it for granted that they were going to go ahead and win that game. Absolutely. And then coupled with the fact that Simeon just played a very poor game on top of it, they could live with one of those two factors. They could not win given both. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think it starts right away, right? You come out of the game, you go, oh, all the offensive weapons for the Giants are hurt. Then the Giants come out and Eli's making throws to his tight end, Evan Ingram's, Orleans Darkwar is actually running the ball because everyone in the NFL is talented. And if you don't come with 100% effort, this is what any team with any players in the NFL can actually do to you here. And that's what happened. Then all of a sudden they got down and they tried to get out of their offensive rhythm running the ball, and we saw Trevor Simeon make critical mistakes in that football game. Is there any part of what the Giants did that really impressed we? What did you do in your power ratings with the Giants, Fess? Yeah, I popped them up a point just because they brought in a running back that, frankly, I had never heard of before, and the kid looked real good, and it goes back to what Maddie was saying. Hey, you're in the NFL. 
you there's a lot of gems out there that people are unaware of. Uh, Giants, other than that running back, Matt, any upgrade? I mean, how are you thinking about him? Well, I like the fact that, you know, early in the year, they were going to make a conscious effort to get the ball to Evan Ingram. And we saw it early uh, in the Detroit game where he scored a touchdown. That was the only touchdown they scored all game. Then for a couple of weeks, he disappeared as Eli was trying to get the ball to these receivers who finally all came back. They went out and they went back to that, you know, that simple game plan again, run the ball with our Orleans Darqua, throw the ball to our ultra talented tight end Evan Ingram. And let's see what we can do. It, it worked, right? They simplified the offense. It kept Eli from making mistakes, and they allowed the other team to make mistakes in that game. Okay, Fez actually has one of his, his only total play on this game. We're going to get back to that in a minute. We let each of the boys have one total, one best bet, one pass, and then in every other game, they have to lean or like. And like means I like Wonder Year style, right? Is you like me, like me? Okay, Winnie Cooper, like you, like you. Orlean is, hey, listen, we're not betting this game, but this line might be a half point this way. Might as well tell you guys, because a lot of you are going to bet some of these games if we tell you to or not. So, Maddie, in this game, lean or like? I'm going to lean Seattle, and I know I just talked up uh, what the Giants did last week, simplifying the offense, but you can't simplify the offense every week against really complex and sophisticated defenses and win in the NFL. And Seattle does have a really sophisticated defense here coming off a bye. Uh, there's still so many injuries for the Giants. I just don't think they have the weapons to put up enough points. Although there's been more teams win this year, scoring 20 or less points than we've seen in over a decade. It's not a recipe for success long-term. I think Seattle's probably the right side here. Lean Seattle, Maddie Holt. Before the total, Faz, any thoughts on the side? I'm passing on the side. All right, give us your total. You know, I'm going to the well with another Giants under. It worked for us as a bet bet on the podcast, the Dream Pod, last week. The Giants, they grounded and pounded. They gave the ball to Darkwa, and they turned it over their defense to beat Denver. Well, I see Seattle as being a fairly comparable team to Denver, a below-average offense, a very good defense, and the fact the Giants were able to beat Denver with that game plan, I think they duplicate it but not with the same success. So they run the ball a whole lot, getting very few points. But I think the Giants defense much more motivated than we thought for a dead team at 0-5. I could see this one going every bit as under as the Giants game last week. All right, so we're seeing 40 on this one? We are. Okay. Uh, Maddie, any thoughts on the total? Agree, disagree, anything? I mean, I would only play it under. I, I, I understand that there have been a lot of unders this year. And again, teams are winning games scoring less than we've seen in the last three years. I just don't like to bet under 40 in NFL games in the passing era that we're in. Fez, we mentioned uh, best bets been red hot here on the dream preview NFL edition. Also though, you know, you won that under in the giants last week. We had someone tweet me a ticket. Did you see this? Uh, he had what? Three dimes on it. 3000. Yeah. I think 3,200 to win 2,900. And uh, actually I retweeted that ticket. So on Twitter, you can follow me. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. That's right, Stephen. A, at RJ in Vegas. And I got that ticket out, but it just got me thinking. I wonder, I mean, we're up well over, well over six figures of listeners now. Is how many, when we win, and I guess it's scary because losing is going to happen, you know, 45% of the time at minimum, right? If you're a new listener, 55% is the goal of a professional batter. That's how he lives in a big house and doesn't have a boss is 55% is 
with the, with the winners, the losers. I mean, I wonder how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are swinging because of this pod. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure my if you boss have, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're giving too much good information. Well, I'm not going to stop, man. I, I'm always suspicious of bookmakers, Maddie. You know that much. All right. Next game. We're going Sunday night football. We want to leave with the big games and we end with the best bets. We've got the Super Bowl rematch. And that's going to be my question. Patriots now favored by three and a half. Little reduced juice there. So let's say 3.4 maybe would be the way to think about it. How does revenge affect this game? To, to me, there's something that's more important than revenge here. I think, I think okay. it's one of the motivating factors, but I think the biggest factor for me is what the heck is up with the Atlanta Falcons in the second half of football games. And to me, the second half of football games come down to coaching. You you come out with talent in the first half. You score. They were up 17 nothing against Miami. They were in there with Buffalo. The reason they can't score in the second half of these football games is other teams are making adjustments and they're missing Shanahan as their coordinator. And now they're not making the proper adjustments themselves in the second half. And their offense is completely falling to pieces in second half of football games the last month. Okay. So let's set the revenge aside a second. Maddie took over as host there. Now I'll defer (laughs) once (laughs) is Sarkeesian, right? I, this is another example. I came in the season and we actually did for those that haven't seen it. And if you're listening before Thursday night, we did a bonus Thursday night standalone. And I put that out on my Twitter and also um, on SoundCloud. Uh, So if you're not, if you haven't listened to it and it's uh, before the game, we separated that to make it simple for that easy early Thursday listening. And we were talking about the idea, the Raiders, Wise guys were down on them. They started the season hot. We ate a little crow. Well, now, now we see we were right. The Falcons, I thought, Super Bowl hangover. I also thought, boy, this Shanahan. I mean, because no one was excited about the Falcons entering last year. He seemed to make the difference. What are you seeing? Fez, you've been high on the Falcons. It was just like a week ago you had them, what, tied for the best team in football, right? I still have them tied for second. I got to tell you, I'm concerned about my ratings. I probably have them overrated. I'm in love with their stats. They still look like a Super Bowl team from a pure statistical basis, but I think that might be flawed. Do we agree Sarkeesian is a question mark right now as OC? I completely agree. I think he's a major question mark. And my concerns are in the red zone. You look at all this yardage to get more than six yards per play. Where are the points? And the last two games, losing to Buffalo, um, you know, in the end game, losing to Miami, they just don't look to have the creativity coming down the field that they had under Shanahan. I've always believed the red zone had a huge element of luck in it. Turnovers have luck. Close wins have luck. I look to fade extremes either way with those. I also tend to think if, if you can march between the 20s and you're not scoring, well, it only takes three or four plays, third and four, you know, third and goal to go from the four to go one way or the other to make those stats really skewed early in the year. How do you guys balance the, 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 the undebatable luck factor in red zone stats with the fact that sometimes defensively and, and offensively, the way a team plays can be good or bad for the red zone? So sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's scheme. Well, I dismissed it as being bad luck, but I think I may be biased by how good Atlanta was last year, saying, you know, if the stats are still there, they'll turn it around. And the more I think about the Shanahan being gone, 
I'm worried. All right, but real quick before we get to Maddie is let's say you have a, uh, 10 teams in the course of a season that you see have extreme red zone stats, good or bad, offense or defense. What percentage after you dig in do you say, wow, this is something? And what percentage do you say, ah, probably luck? 70% luck. Okay, so only about one in three where there's extreme red zone stats, you think there's merit to those extreme stats. Right, where it may be bad play calling or just they don't have a weapon in the red zone that they can effectively use. Same question, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I agree that most of it's luck. I mean, we saw the Denver Broncos the first couple weeks have like the best red zone efficiency we had seen in four years. And of course, that came back to the mean as we thought it would. But what really concerns me here is that second half play. There is it's not just red zone play. And it's not the fact that Matt Ryan has as many touchdowns as interceptions. That doesn't bother me. We can attribute some of those interceptions to luck. And and you talked about this pro football focus has a stat about uh, balls that should have been intercepted and balls that are intercepted that maybe shouldn't have been tip passes or whatever. I think the stat, and I'm going by memory, Matt Ryan has six INTs and four of them are unfair and only two were his fault. That's right. So you can attribute some luck to the interceptions, but I think there's a significant trend here throughout the entire season that as teams make adjustments at halftime to what Atlanta is doing, Atlanta is not making any adjustments coming out and their offense is stagnating in the second half. Game after game after game, 17 nothing against Miami. They never score again. And easily second halves could be luck too, but now we have a coach that we questioned his chops at the chalkboard, chops at the chalkboard, and now that it seems like two areas where that, that, that those flashes of brilliance as a coach matter that maybe a Shanahan had, one being in the red zone, the other being in second half adjustments, it's the two areas Atlanta's deficient at. Could still be luck, but there's some logic behind it. And, and maybe it's not all Sarkeesian. Hey, let's face it. In the Super Bowl, what did the Atlanta Falcons do? Completely folded in the second half. But we're seeing that completely fold in the second half happen game after game after game. You know, host Maddie, that's a good segue. <laughs> I did, Fez, want to talk about revenge here. Super Bowl revenge, the worst loss, the giveaway. Loss in Super Bowl history for the Falcons. I think that in talk radio land, that's going to be the talk. How much merit do you give it? Oh, I think it has merit. I think more merit in the first half. The initial, we've got this game circled all year long. So maybe you look, if you like Atlanta, maybe you look to them in the first half. But I got to tell you, RJ, what happens if they take the lead and then start slipping away? There's always that feeling about here we go again. Well, that makes another point. If we believe there's a chance, I think unequivocally there's a chance that the second half is by merit, that there's a real problem here. And if we believe the emotional advantage, if it's there, is going to be early in the game, it does look like first half if you do like the Falcons. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, so let's go to our leaner like. Maddie. is it okay if you go first? Sure, and I'm going to like the Falcons' first half in this game. Oh, no, wait a minute. Did you have that before? <laughs> no, I you didn't have that written down. So I convinced you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like that side first half. I just think that they have real problems in the second half. And I'm I'm not a believer that uh, that the Atlanta Falcons are any better than the New England Patriots. In fact, there's only two teams that are in the top five in both uh, run and pass uh, success percentage. So the percentage of plays that you run the ball that are successful, the percentage of plays where you pass the ball that are successful, only two teams are in the top five in both Atlanta, number one in run, number five in pass. Falc, I mean, New England, number one in run, number five in pass. 
and the Falcons number four in run success rate and number four in pass success rate. All right. So we got a audible call. I like in the first half of the Falcons. Fazley and are like, I'm going to lean to New England and I'm going to lean to New England in the third quarter and the <laughs> second half come over the top uh, because I do like the aspect of New England having their number and Atlanta struggling in the second half. This New England <laughs> offense, RJ, it could be absolutely historically good. Remember what the narrative is. The receivers are always injured. These guys like Hogan, Amendola, um, always banged up. Those aren't even their good receivers anymore. Gronk is back. Uh, Cooks is getting 20 yards per pass reception right now. He's the kid they got it from New Orleans. Brady looks like he's 30. So I have every confidence New England is the best offense easily in the NFL. And that New England defense, statistically, it's the worst team still defensively in a yards per play. RJ, leap of faith. They've got too much talent. They've had too many blown coverages. I'm moving them up weekly in my expectations. Hopefully it will play out. Now, listen, where else are you going to get third quarter quarter on the pads, <laughs> first half on the Falcons? Well, I'll answer that question for you. Only in dreams on the dream preview, you get that stuff from the batter and the bookmaker. Last question on this game. And guys, for new listeners, very unusual that it's first half, third quarter. It was fun. Usually, though, it's going to be the full game is maybe that's a new thing we'll do. In fact, it's official is you get one derivative play a week. And with Faz, that's gold, baby. Those <laughs> derivatives. I always try to buy into those. He says, there's not enough. I can't. I bet my limit. I bet my limit. So, but you guys can take advantage. All right. Here's what worries me. Bell with the Pats. Belichick had 10 days to take over that D, put the whistle on. All right, boys, sheriff's in town. And if you look at that Jets game, that, uh, that, that defense was problematic. Talking to Mike, uh, talking or listening to Mike Lombardi is, you know, he said that they missed, Jets missed a bunch of open guys. You talked about blown coverage. So if 10 days and the Jets can make you look bad, maybe we got to accept maybe that the Pats D isn't as bad as historically their stats have been. Uh, especially the first couple of weeks. But I mean, is this, does this D have a decent chance to even get to average? I don't think so. By the end of the year. Oh, I think it does. I mean, under the genius, but that's the, that's at the end of the year. Do they have a chance to get to average by Halloween. No chance. What do you think, Manny? Uh, I think at this point we have to acknowledge the fact that this Patriots defense, which was so good for a couple of years, it is not good yet. But but to Fez's point, look, there's some young players. There's a lot of new players. They could be good by the end of the year. But to even say that they're not in the bottom five right now would be would be a gross you know overstatement. And real quick, I do lean to the over here. I think it's important to note the Super Bowl total was 58 and a half when New England had the number one scoring defense in the league. This total is only 55, and they have the worst defense statistically in the league. Yeah, but you don't have all the squares batting it up, right? So, which is why maybe there's a misprice or maybe this is right. And there was a mispricing in the Super Bowl too. Um, all right. Next game. We're going to go. I, I Very last point is what confuses me. And I don't think there's an answer to this. So I'm going to ask it rhetorically. Chuck Noll won four Super Bowls in six years. And then he went through his sixties with the Steelers hardly making the playoffs. Bradshaw retired in 83. Uh, I can still remember that last throw against the Jets, hurt his elbow. Um, I was a big fan at 13. Is 
and Chuck Noll was really not good for about a decade. What is it that allows a Bell? I mean, could you imagine a time Belichick is an average coach? Because I mean, what, what was Chuck Noll in 1990? He was an average coach. And I get that, that, you know, 30s, the new or, you know, 40s, the new 30 and all that. But it, it, it makes you just I don't know the answer, but it just seems like that if it's nutrition, if it's who knows what, that that people don't drop off the way they used to. And we know athletically they don't. I mean, look at Brady, look at LeBron, right? LeBron's like the age now that Bird was when he retired. Now, Bird had a hurt back, but still. Uh, LeBron never seems to have an injury. It, it It is interesting as we keep moving decades and decades into the future is how a lot of our past history just isn't applicable. I remember Bill Simmons talking about has Belichick lost his fastball, right? Which is the euphemism. Is he too old to put in 70 hours a week? And that was like five or six years ago. He was asking that question or maybe Belichick's just a freak, right? We know he is in some ways. All right. Next game, Monday night football in prep. You guys were talking a bunch about revenge and, and I was confused by it. So I'm just going to let you explain it. Well, I think that here's a spot right in the opening week of the season, Philadelphia goes into Washington and, and, and beats them up pretty good. Ends up winning the game by double digits there. It was fairly tight down the end and a turnover makes it a double digit game. Washington's going to remember that game. I think if you could say, hey, give me three teams that after week one have been better than your expectations, week two through six, the Washington Redskins would make that list of three. This offensive and defensive line upgrades on both lines are real. They're real. They've made a significant impact. The wins and losses haven't been there for the Redskins, but they also have the number one strength of schedule in the entire NFL. You know, this is a division game against a rival who you hate and want to beat, who beat you on your home field. I think the Redskins have all the motivational edge in this game. Yeah, I agree strongly. I think that what happened week one, it'd be one thing if they lost the game by a field goal, but I love misleading finals. We talk about all the time in college football. Here's a case either team could have won, but the narrative is, oh, the Eagles blew out the Redskins week one. And because of that, this game gets circled. Washington knows they could have won that game. Their stats are tremendous year to day, better than the Eagles. The Eagles have had some defensive injuries as well. And it goes back to kind of like how the Chiefs were. When the Chiefs got five games above 500, I said, you know, they just can't be that good. And now the Eagles are five games above 500. I'm saying, you know what? They're going to come back at some point. They're not going 14 and two. This looks like a game that they could lose as a five point favorite. Now. It strikes me. I was, I, I, I've been quick to kind of say I was wrong. I'm going to wait. I was not high on Kirk Cousins this year. Um, and I'm not even sure if I, I'm even close to being wrong in that one yet. But you got to give this team credit. This Washington team has exceeded expectations. I agree. You talked about a misleading final in week one. How, how would you characterize that, Fez? In terms of what, who should have won? Maybe the Eagles by two points. Well, I could tell you that it was a turnover at the end of the game. Washington was down five. They had a fumble, sack fumble, that turned into a touchdown that led the game to be 12 or 13 by them kicking or going for two instead of, uh, no, 12 instead of five. So okay. the Redskins with the ball driving down five to maybe win the football So, so the game. misleading part was one play made a big difference on the scoreboard. Yes. Okay, good stuff. Now, you guys both lean Washington, and since you hinted at it, we won't kind of make it like or lean. Well, you both lean Washington. Let's talk Philly real quick. Colin Cowherd, 
number one team in the NFL. Now listen, Colin's a brilliant, brilliant broadcaster. He understands KC, Philly's close. Make it Philly. You're going to get a lot more social media on it. We're talking about it, right? There you go. Um, Fez, you don't have, you're not that far off though. Where do you got Philly? Yeah, I got Philly just a half game, a half point behind Kansas City. They're my number two team tied for second with a bunch of teams in the NFL. And this was my dark horse team to go to the Super Bowl on the Colin NFC. Coward's podcast. You gave it out. I, I did. And now I, I like the fact that Colin is talking about how it, the Eagles are his dark horse team before the season started. To well, make that, the Super when you're Bowl. an expert, but you're whispering in the King's ear, that's just the way it goes. Let's say that that's fair. Okay. Thoughts on the, where do you have the Eagles, Maddie? I think they are top five. The one, the one thing I question is their defensive secondary, which has had some injuries. And even when they've all been healthy has been a little bit suspect, but when Fletcher Cox has been a hundred percent healthy and in the lineup, their pass rush has been plenty healthy enough. Uh, and that offense has been absolutely spectacular. Carson Wentz has been great all year. That defensive secondary for me still has a little holes, but they're certainly top five. Next game, Ravens at Vikings. Vikings by five and a half. Fez, this is our underrated injury game of the week. A lot of injuries. The market prices properly. Some, though, they undervalue, especially when it's not a big name. Yeah, so Minnesota, their number one wide receiver digs is really good and the market really doesn't move if he's in or out, but I think it absolutely should. And a big part of that, let's think about the Vikings, really good team on defense, solid, good coaching staff with Zimmer, but they lose Bradford capable backup. They lose cooks, a uh, cook, their rookie running back who really is a fine running back. So they're losing all their weapons. If Diggs doesn't play, it's a much better team. I think they really need their number one wide receiver. And even without Diggs, you lean Minnesota. I do. And it's all about, I think Baltimore is overvalued. You look at last week, they lost to a Bears team. RJ, they really got blown out in that game. They got a punt return touchdown and they got a kickoff return touchdown. And not only did they get both, you could argue, well, maybe they got really good special teams, but their kick returner, Rainey, he falls down. The contact is made on him. He runs. He hits his own player. He falls down. Everyone just walks away. He stands up and he runs 70 yards for a touchdown. As fluky a touchdown as you will ever see a phony final score. So Minnesota is a team you generally like, but without digs, you're losing some value because the market's not properly adjusting. Baltimore, based on pedigree, based on some faulty finals, overrated, added up lean many. Yeah, lean many. Diggs might play. If Diggs plays, I like many. Oh, interesting. All right. And remember, guys, we tape on Wednesday afternoon here in Vegas. And all that's the information we have. And when there is kind of an if then, we'll give it to you. Maddie, leaner like? I lean Minnesota, and I'm with Fez on this one. I really like the Vikings at home. I like Diggs. I think he's important to the team just because he stretches the defense a little bit because he's the one deep ball threat. But even without him, I lean Minnesota, almost liked Minnesota. Baltimore 30th in the NFL in yards per play on offense. That offense has been decimated by injuries, age, and regression, and there's not there's not a lot of positive things to say about it. Going on the road to a one of the toughest stadiums to play in in the NFL against the top five defense in the NFL, and you can make a case that Minnesota at home is a top three defense. I'm always going to lean Minnesota in this case. Okay, so last question. If you look at the quarterback ratings, and we know those are imperfect, Flacco is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. We know the center retired. We know the left guard is out. I mean, is this Flacco 
without players around him? Is this Flacco's age? What's with Flacco? I think what's it's the a combination. With Flacco? I, I think it's a combination of his age, his deterioration in skills, playing in a black and blue division where he's got too many injuries. I also think it's a deterioration of their offensive line and the weapons around him. I mean, no team, you could make a case that no team in the preseason suffered more critical injuries than the Baltimore Ravens. And you look at a guy who had some pretty darn good mobility, would roll out of the pocket. Now when he's rolling out, it looks like me out there. He's wobbling to the left, wobbling to the right, barely moving. Contrast that with the Bears. Trubisky. That's you at the Fiesta Buffet. <laughs> Going at back for seconds and thirds <laughs> for the chicken wings. The uh, Trubisky, when he rolls out, it's a thing of beauty. He's just flowing along, looking downfield. He's ready to take off for the first down. Wow. If, if Flacco was in a race against Trubisky, I think I would lay a second and a hundred. You know, one time they asked... Sylvester Stallone, why do you date young girls or, you know, relatively young? And he was, you know, before he got married, I don't know much about his dating history, but it seemed like a lot of young girls. And his answer was, well, why do people take home puppies? <laughs> Just saying. I, I, now you've got something, a, a, <laughs> A, a sound bite that talks about a cheesy joke. <laughs> I'm just quote. I'm just quoting Stallone. It's not me. Maybe he's a baker. <laughs> All right. I do find it fascinating that a quarterback like Flacco, where you never would have thought his physical or his nimbleness or his uh, speed of foot were a differentiator. But what I found is the guys like a Bernie Kosar, like a bird, who are deficient to start with when they lose some, they get to the point where it becomes, it's like a, there's a tipping point. It becomes untenable for them to be a professional at that level. And I'm not saying Flacco's reached that point though. He's got some bad stats. You got to wonder would the Raven, how freaking ballsy would it have been for the Ravens to win that Super Bowl and let Flacco go. And because at that point they knew, I mean, contemporaneously people were saying this contract's going to hamstring or we will be hamstrung, whatever the Ravens for the, for the next X years. And hasn't that exactly turned out to be the case that that contract's like an albatross? Yeah, absolutely. And, and not to mention injuries and injuries are a little unpredictable. I mean, Danny Woodhead, there was uh Dix in there running back. They lost a lot of yeah, guys. But when you're thin cause of right. one quarterback getting all the money, one in a couple injuries hurt you a lot more, right? Agreed. And that's part of the reason that the Patriots keep excelling. They have no loyalty to most of their players. <laughs> well, if you're honest about that, it's hard to blame them, right? Is, Hey, we're going to do what's best for us. You do what's best for you. It's only when you give that fault that, you know, that's that maybe one of the, maybe the greatest line in sports movie history, North Dallas 40. All right. Have you guys both seen that? They're nodding on a podcast. I'm here to commentate Ben Scully style. They are nodding is when he says, every time you tell me it's a game or so, how's that go now? It's every time I say it's a game, you tell me it's a business. And every time I tell you it's business, you say it's a game. And to me, that's the team's. That and Nick Nolte was the you know beaten down what wide receiver in that in that movie is the the Patriots saying this is a business we love you and after we'll bring you back retire your jersey you can hang out around practice but this is a business because there's a finite amount of salary cap dollars 
And to me, if you're honest about it, I got no problem with it. But the teams that are acting like it's more than that, but then when it comes time to be cutthroat, they are. I think that's the problem. No, I agree. And look, that's been the, the NFL is the only league where the hard salary cap is actually intact. You know, the NBA has this one, but the Cleveland Cavaliers could pay as much luxury tax as they want and, and then just build whatever team they want. And the NFL, it really means something. Salary cap. You know, expertise is maybe the most important thing to keeping a franchise stable. You could argue Eli Manning was a similar situation, but somehow his defense won him another Super Bowl after he won the first one. Yeah, but Eli in that at that point was certainly a top 10. I, I think we're mixing up the debate. Was Eli a lead or not? For, I think no one disagrees he was top third of the league, right? When he won that second Super Bowl. He was right on the cusp of top third. Yeah, so... Means you're top third. You can win with Eli at that. That teardrop pass he threw in that 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 second Super Bowl was one of the great. Uh, uh, Manningham was I can't remember, but it was one of the great. I remember it was the left sidelines. That was one of the great throws in Super Bowl history. Right now, a guy can get lucky, but I mean Manning today is very different than Manning was in that game. Pregame.com. I'm R.J. Bell, Wise Guy Roundtable, the better Steve Fezzik, the bookmaker. Maddie Holt. Oh, I love it. Pros versus Joes. I'm usually with the pros. Let's see what the boys got this week. It's Jacksonville on the road, favored by three with a lot of juice, almost three and a half at the Colts. Right now, right now, the pros, me and the pros are on the Colts and the Joes, the Joes are on the Jags. Maddie Holt, leaner like. I'm going to lean Jacksonville here in this spot. All right, explain your square handicap. Look, uh, Jacksonville coming off the short week here, obviously playing on Monday night. And this Jack, I mean, we talk about the New England Patriots defense being bad. This Indianapolis Colts defense is bad, has been bad, was supposed to be bad. And now we get the news that Andrew Luck is not going to continue to practice. He had a setback. This team basically is Jacoby Brissett and nothing. And uh, they're getting old. Frank Gore is old. They're old at every position. They're bad on both lines. Uh, It's a team that you could back situationally, but on short rest off, you know, with a, a team with Jacksonville coming off a loss. Jacksonville is covered, I believe, against the spread after every loss this season. I don't want to buck that trend. I thought a lot you you said made sense until the very end is the fact that they're alternating covers and not covers with six games. Well, doesn't I think mean they've all been that reacting well off, off losses too. Yeah. Here's the question with the Jags is, can they not, can they win without relying on Bortles? That's what you got to ask yourself entering every game with them. And I think in this case, the whole Colts idea of being even worse than they seem, though Brissett's probably better than people expected, I think for sure. Uh, before we go to Fez, is give it, I didn't hear the stat, maybe you gave it. Indy's defense, what, like quantify for us how bad they are. I think that if you're saying that we'd all agree that Patriots are still probably number 32 right now in the league, Indy's 31 and they're terrible against the run. Jacksonville runs the ball. Uh, probably as good as any team in the NFL. That's interesting too, because Jacksonville, both on offense and defense, has the biggest home or uh, run pass splits I've seen. Jags are great against the run. Oh, I'm sorry, check that against the pass. 
and they're bad against a run. So that makes me think the Colts are going to be able to at least try to run here. I like the under in this game. All right, Fez, this is pros versus Joes. So, so far, we've got me and the pros on the Colts, Maddie and the Joes on the Jags. Lean or light? I lean to Jacksonville. I think you're walking for Indianapolis. You can't. Talk over Louie, man. It's not going to happen. Go. Look at these Indianapolis <laughs> defensive stats. Maddie correctly said, hey, they're the second worst team in the league year to date in stats. I'll argue they're easily the worst D right now in terms of the talent. You just saw Mariota carve him up, a guy who could not roll out at all. The whole Tennessee offense. Is- so you're saying physically limited with his legs. Yeah, they literally kept him in the pocket. The whole offense of Tennessee is predicated upon ground and pound read option rollout and the quarterback was unable to run and they still, okay, they shouldn't have put up the 32 or the 36. They should have put up the 29, but they, they had great success at the end of the year. I don't understand this line. Jacksonville's going eight and eight. Indianapolis is going three and 13. If you want to take plus three on a team that's going three and 13 against an eight and eight team, I've got an eight point differential in terms of my power ratings. That's blinking a buy sign on Jacksonville. I think this line, if the Sharps took plus three, they're not very sharp because I think it goes up. Well, that's obviously why you like the other side. I can't lie is when I saw, when I picked the square versus sharp or pros versus Joe's game, and I looked over and saw you guys both on the other side, I was my happiest moment of the day. (laughs) And remember this whole Andrew Luck news is just breaking. We just found out today. Hey, Luck is, still, you ever notice when he gets bucked by any kind of authority, he handicaps like triple his line. <laughs> he just keeps going and going. But uh, how, uh, let me ask you, RJ, how big a deal is that, that all of a sudden, sudden the memo Ten, goes out to the team? Nine, hey, eight, seven, our season is over. Four, three, two, one. That's it. That's your done. <laughs> you like that one, Manny? Yeah. That's pretty good. I'll hit you with the countdown, I'm too. Sure, I'm so sure. from here on, we're going to call when it's a square play, hit him with Huey. You like that? Now, Faz, it seems like it actually upsets you at a fundamental level. Like your whole self-image is being sharp. I couldn't believe this game was square. We had to question you when you said this was the pro first show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll upset me more if on Sunday I'm staring and the line hasn't moved and it's still three. And then I'll immediately think I missed something on this game. Last serious question on this one is, could we agree with the following? If the Jags are playing a team that, can't run because they have a problem defending the run. So if they're playing an offense that can't run, and if they're playing a defense that can't stop the run, they're in great. I mean, it feels like there's no other team. We're finding that, that, that pass run and, and seeing where the strengths and weaknesses are probably matter most with the Jags. Cause that, in both cases, their ability to defend the run in the pass and their ability to run and pass is some of the most extreme splits I've seen. And if you look at the uh, football outsiders, you know, they agree with that. Yeah, that's a great point. And you look no further than the Pittsburgh game where the Steelers kept throwing the ball down the field against that great Jag secondary. Okay, next game. This is another. Oh, this is a public pounder. All right. We pick one or two games a week. The public's just going wild on. And also a total game. This is a total game from Matty Holt. And it's the Tennessee Titans favored by five and a half and a little extra juice at the Browns. 90% of the tickets, 92% of the cash on Tennessee. 
Now you can go to pregame.com and click game center and look at the consensus tab, pregame.com game center consensus tab. And you can see the cash and ticket splits nowhere else in the world. Can you see the cash for free? Nowhere. Check that out. Public pounder. We're going to do side first Fez leaner. Like this is my one pass. I'll take it. I'm All right. So let's talk. Good point. Let's talk Kaiser because to me, that's the only I've been on the Browns the last two weeks and I've had a great season so far. I think I'm 58% with uh, Adam Carolla and I do his show every Wednesday. And remember Adam and his digital family were part of here with the podcast one and the dream preview. And we get to promote on his show and we do like 20 minutes, right? Adam likes to get off in politics and Kaepernick and flag uh, the anthem. So very, I enjoy it. Cause I'm a big fan of Adam is I've been on the Browns last two weeks. You love the Browns last week. Fez. You had an amazing football season, but you love the Browns. You, you only text me like five or six times a year, like on Sunday morning. And you had, you text me on the Browns Sunday. I gave you the blue horseshoe loves the Cleveland Browns as the line moved down from 10 all the way to seven. The pros were pounding it. The feeling Kaiser can't play a lick. Hogan's a capable backup. You know, maybe he got injured. I know he got hurt during the game, but the Browns just didn't show up. It was just a debacle. So here's the question. Hogan's a memory. All right. Is we're back to Kaiser. Now Kaiser, before he was benched, had the worst season this century. Using quarterback rating, he had a 49. No quarterback this century for any given season has had below 50. That's Joey Harrington. That's Jamarcus Russell. That's Ryan Leaf. Vince Young had like, I think he had like a 67 or something was his quarterback rating through his career. A lot of people on Twitter was pushing back. Vince Young was good. Okay, well, he certainly was good in college. Is if you had the worst quarterback this century, you bench him. Now he's starting to hate tweet on your team. And now he feels like you don't have, there's no confidence around him. And then he starts. Wouldn't we expect him to be worse? I agree. I think he's worse. And, and maybe that, it's a segue into the total. And that's why I had to play the under in this game. I think he can abs. I'm surprised they didn't go at Cody Kessler here. And I also agree with Fez that I thought maybe, uh, you know, the backup last week got hurt. And that's why we're seeing the change back. Cause rarely do you bench a quarterback and go right back to him. Cause you already crushed his confidence Andy was so bad. I thought they'd go with Cody Kessler. They didn't. They're going right back to Kaiser. How are they going to score points? And another point that Fez made earlier was that Marcus Mariota is unable to move out of the pocket still. So much of their offense is predicated on them being able to move the pocket and him being a dual-threat quarterback, and that is not the case yet for the Tennessee Titans offense. This isn't the Indianapolis Colts in Tennessee this week. It's on the road with a short week of preparation. It's hard for me to imagine there's going to be a ton of scoring in this game, especially getting over 47 points. Fez, you agree with that one? Strongly agree. Really like it. They're going to work with Kaiser say, look, you can't be throwing two interceptions for every touchdown, protect the ball. And what's Tennessee going to say? Hey, with short work week, you only got six days, Mariota. Don't re-aggravate the hamstring. Round and pound DeMarco Murray and Patrick Henry. But you know what? They're not playing the Indianapolis defense anymore. They're playing a good. The Cleveland has a good above average defense. This one has 20 to 14 written all over it. I tell you. I, I, the handicap, I love the idea of not only is Mariota 
not as mobile, but they're going to protect him. So he will be less effective and more conservative. Yeah, sharp play. And you're bringing back a you know a quarterback who you can't let him throw three interceptions. You can't let Deshaun Kaiser throw three picks in the game. You have to simplify the game plan, get any little wins you can. He completed three screen passes, everything. I think they're going to be really conservative on both sides of the ball. And Tennessee got away with it Monday night. They just kept him in the pocket, didn't run any of that read option, didn't need it, still won the game. Hey, if he could beat Indianapolis that way, we should be able to beat Cleveland that way, same thing. And I love that you passed this game, Fez, because the Browns, and, and there's a trend we'll talk about in my best bat, Lotiza had, is uh, winless teams 0-4 or worse, 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, are 56% against the spread the last 30 years. Um, the public just doesn't want any part of them, thus they're cheap. But if a quarterback is not an NFL-level quarterback, you cannot play in 2017 on that team. I'm not playing the Browns until I see them have an NFL-level quarterback. Okay, boys, first time ever. Two crossfires coming up. Crossfire is when the better and the bookmaker both like the game, but they like opposite sides, opposite sides. And this is an homage to the old CNN show. I don't particularly like CNN these days, but back in the day, had some good stuff. Crossfire was quite interesting. And game number one, it's going to be the Jets versus the Dolphins. Right now, we've got the Dolphins minus three and a half, even money at home. Minus three and a half, even money. Fez, you go first. I like the Miami Dolphins here and a little bit of a leap of faith. I'll be the first to admit their stats are terrible. But I really think Irma messed this team up bad. Remember, before the season even started, Irma rolled in. They went out to Oxnard. California practiced there, beat the Chargers, who are looking better than we thought. But by the time they came home, they absolutely were disrupted. They went to New York. They got blown out by the Jets, so they got blowout revenge. Then they had to go to London, and they got blown out by the Saints. They weren't ready to go in that game as well. We projected improvement in Cutler. We have not seen it yet. I think we are going to see it eventually. I think they have their mojo back. Big upset win against Atlanta. So I th- I really think at the end of the year, the Jets are going to be 5-11, and and Miami's the better team. They're going to be more like 6-9-1. Fez likes, likes the Dolphins. I agree with you. When you can identify an external factor that's affecting a team and that factor is gone at a certain point, right, the fatigue, then you got to say, okay, they're probably going to be underrated because people are just going to look at the stats and the record and not account for the factor. Generally, I like that concept. Matty Holt. Look, it's it's nice to be able to throw out stats when we want to use them and then say, hey, I don't want to use the stats anymore, but the Miami Dolphins are dead last in the entire NFL in yards per play on offense. This team can't score. If not for the Atlanta Falcons' ineptitude to play football in the second half, it was 17-0 to last week at halftime. This, this team is not moving the football, and if there's one thing we can all consensusly say in this room on this pod, the New York Jets are a much better football team than anybody gave them credit for starting the season, especially Fez, who said they were starting to tank, especially all those betters who bet them under four at minus 300. The Jets are a lot better team than people think. They're trying really hard. And this is a division game with greater than a field goal differential with the worst offense in the NFL. 
Wowza. There's some good stuff. Any rebuttal? I think you made great points. It is a slight leap of faith. The talent level on Miami, you look at Ajaje, the running back, he's five times better than any back that the Jets have. You look at their wide receivers, they are way better than any wide receivers that the Jets have. At some point, that talent should overcome what their deficiencies year to date have been. So you guys both sticking by your guns. All right. Crossfire number one. That was a good one. And it shows you guys, if it was easy, if this line were seven, you both would like the dog, right? If this was pick them, you'd both like the favor. There, that line gets at a point where sometimes it's right. And, and sometimes there's valid approaches from both sides. I love to hear them because it teaches you how betters and bookmakers think. And, you know, Maddie is a bookmaker and he has uh, massive knowledge behind the counter, but his handicapping. You actually ended up second one year in the super contest with a team. Yeah, 2009, I finished second to some guy named Steve Fezzik. And where did he end up? Where is he now? He was plucked from obscurity, plucked yeah. him from the course, Ran as they luckier, said on the Sopranos. Luckier than God in the final week to pull <laughs> that one out. Yeah. Fez used to say, Fez was so hungry for attention before me. Tell me if this is right or wrong, Fez, and be honest. You used to, like, listen to John John Kelly had like 80 people listening to his radio show. I like John, but it like, you could only get it in like four locations in the city. And you, you had to be like, <laughs> four locations. you had to be like, like there was tinfoil and stuff and all. And, and it was great. Cause I would listen to the podcast after which, you know, you, you could hear it is you used to call in with crazy statements just to get him to met, or you would text him crazy stuff to get him to mention you true or false. False, because <laughs> because you said both, and that was before texting. And we all know how I struggle with communications. I was the last one to start texting in this town. <laughs> I don't, I still remember I was I was actually at a sports book, and I didn't know you yet. And Kelly's like doing one of these contests or whatever, and it's like Fezzik just texted me and said this. I would like to see that text because I don't <laughs> ever remember having texted John Kelly my entire life. Okay. And again, I re John is a guy that's been around the block in town, done a lot of radio and, you know, to me, a really nice guy too. And, and uh, quite frankly, a lot of people in this industry aren't particularly nice. Okay. Um, it's, it takes the, it kicks the nice out of you, I guess. If you play on this basketball team, be ready to play some really good defense or you'll be riding the bench though. Oh, oh, oh okay. There you go. All right. So, Guys, let's talk between crossfires about this week's bonus. I ch I'll be honest. I chastised the college listeners. We had Fez show up because we actually had a flat week last week in the colleges. And we've been growing and growing and growing and flat. And to me, that's just not okay. This is too good for us not to be growing. We're putting too much effort in. And again, when we say good, it's the experts, right? I'm, I do my thing, but the experts are the true differentiators in my opinion, maybe because I just hear myself talk all the time. So I can't be too impressed by it, but these guys, I learned something. I mean, I've been betting sports every day for literally 33 years. I started betting when I was 14. I've probably had less than a hundred days that I haven't bet in that time. And I learn something every time I sit down with these guys. And quite frankly, I learn something every time I sit down with the college guys. I don't know college near as well either. Uh, Fez sat in and guys, he was amazing for an NFL expert. He was amazing. So if you don't listen to the college, this is the week to sample it, 
right? And if you don't bet the colleges and you're not going to listen, but this is the week to sample it. You can go to my Twitter. You can go to um, uh, podcast one. You can go to any player search RJ Bell. You're going to see NFL dream preview. Obviously you can find that you're listening. And then there's the college one. If you ever want to try it, this is the week, but you guys had us up big again last week. So thus the coupon continues NFO dream 14 this week. We started at 10, 11, 12, 13, now $14. And guys, next week, next week, if we uptick again, we're going to go to 15 this week though. NFO dream 14, all one word, all caps, one in four, the numbers, NFL dream 14, any NFL pick Fez has been red hot. What's your record on the year Fez? Uh, four and two last week, 66% still this season. Just play your blind. You'd be safe. Now, listen, that's not usual, but I mean, he is locked in and, and let's be candid. We're doing, you're doing radio early. You're doing a bunch of national stuff. You're doing serious and you're doing this on Wednesday. You're prepped. You're just putting in more time now. It's almost like you're not so much more time, but earlier time, which I think helps you see the board. Yeah. So I was able to lock in the Cleveland Browns last week. Plus ten with the good number that was one of the losses. But now, but the good numbers in the long run, they that's what matters. All right, guys. So hey, keep it going. Five star ratings helps. Sharing it helps. Whatever you can do, we really appreciate it. Remember, if you don't bet, uh, or I'm sorry, if you don't like premium picks or don't bet enough to make it worthwhile or whatever, even with the big discount, we love you as a listener. If you tell us you're never going to buy a thing, but you're going to listen. We are happy about that, too. So thank you so much. And any help you can give us is much, much, much appreciated. You're listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. BetDSI.com has been in business for over 20 years paying winners. They're A-plus rated on sportsbook review sites, and you get to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. Why sit on all those smarts if you're not going to use them? BetDSI's easy-to-use mobile playing interface makes things simple. Play, win, get paid. BetDSI offers odds on everything football, including live betting and props as games are in action. Plus, BetDSI offers odds on pretty much everything else, too, including all major sports, politics, and even reality TV. Use promo code BELL25 to get a $25 free wager just for registering. If you decide to deposit, you will get a 200% bonus match on your money. Here at Podcast One, we play on BetDSI, and let me tell you something. If you want to add a little excitement to the games you're watching, BetDSI is the place to be. So be sure to go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code BELL25 to get a free $25 wager on the house and 200% extra bonus when you deposit. That's BELL25 to get your free wager and start winning today with BetDSI. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, guys, next game. This is the second crossfire of two. First time we've ever had it. And this is the game. The Panthers at the Bears. Panthers on the road, favored by three, minus 120. Who went first last time? You, Fez? Matty Holt? Carolina coming in here with extra rest against a rookie quarterback. Always going to be a help. That John Fox, uh, that team over there. Uh, always does a great job with that defense. I think they'll be prepared here. And look, the Bears got a little bit fortunate. They got a 34-yard punt, I mean, fake punt touchdown pass in order to cover the spread against the Minnesota Vikings at home in Mitch Trubinsky's first start of the year. 
Last week, I was all over the Bears as my as my top spot, but that was against the 30th ranked uh, offense in terms of yards per play in the Baltimore Ravens in a bad spot for Baltimore. I think this spot makes a lot more sense here for the Carolina Panthers. Extra rest, extra preparation. I do like Mitch Trubisky. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. The Bears just don't great. have the weaponry. Great. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. Great. Wow. Like a top 10 quarterback within two years. So recapping your like of the Panthers, it's the extra rest with a good coaching staff against a rookie quarterback. Bears having some deceiving scores in their favor. Yes. Fast. Carolina's easy. They're a couple points better than an average team. We all agree. Nothing to discuss there. It's the Bears. Think of the narrative of the Bears before the season starts. Ooh, we like these Bears. They were a minus 20 in turnovers last year. They had really good stats. A plus yards per play on the plus. But they got train wrecked by all those turnovers because they had a third string quarterback in Barkley from USC playing in the Chicago Tundra at the end of the year. Now this year comes in. We're all optimistic. Boom. Two wide receiver injuries. Cameron Meredith goes out. Oh, we just lost our wide receivers. Glennon is a total stiff. He's a horrible quarterback. We all pale on the Bears. Well, guess what? Now they have a real quarterback. I watched Trubisky. I love what I see. He's a legitimate starting quarterback. We still have the concern about we're missing our wide receivers. Guess what? John Fox recognizes he doesn't have the wide receivers. So what does he do? He has his punter throwing touchdown passes. He has his his running back throwing touchdown passes. He has Trubisky running the ball, dual option, and throwing the ball. And misleading finals, they played Baltimore last uh, Sunday. Baltimore ran a long kickoff and a long punt back for a touchdown. That was a misleading final score. The Bears blew out Baltimore in an upset win. Give me the Bears. They win outright. All right, boy, I thought those were both good, which probably means I'm passing. Here's what I'll say. He said the co- the coach has the court, the punter and the running backs throwing touchdowns because they don't have enough weapons. But here's the thing. If the given is you don't and you act like you do, like what's your choices? One is to start doing some, you know, unconventional stuff because you don't have enough skill position guys or playmakers. That seems a lot better than not. Right now, you're right. You wish you had a team that actually had the skill position players, but when you're getting three and a half almost at home, you're usually not. And I, I took the Bears two two weeks in a row, so I'm with them on the development of Trubinsky. I'm with them on where he can go. I just think rookie quarterbacks run into walls, and Mitch Trubinsky and the Bears run into one this week. They play, well, but walls is usually about fatigue. No, not just about fatigue, and the it's about start- mistakes. So uh, now now all of a sudden there's two weeks of video on Mitch Trubinsky with this offense and what he can do, and you have a really good game planning coach. We, I mean, Carolina was just in the Super Bowl and 15-1 and one two years ago. Who could prepare for Mitch Trubinsky? But remember now, Harbaugh with the Ravens with rookie quarterbacks had an amazingly good record coming in with Trubinsky, and I think that brings up an interesting point. Mike Lombardi's been talking about this, and I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, Belichick's right-hand guy for years, right? Is with the ringer is uh, what he was talking about how they're doing a lot of really quick timing passes. Like they're not making him do three reads. It's like drop, drop, drop. You got to read or run. And maybe that's not sustainable, but during the theory is every game that goes by, you're going to read a little bit better. So you have to run a little bit less. But I think combined with the fact, combined with the fact that the Bears' biggest problem has been lack of playmakers, 
I think that having that unconventional offense just helps a team with a lack of playmakers. I like the Bears a lot more with Trubinsky. And there's one play that I really liked, and they snipped, the center snapped it over his head into the end zone. This is the exact same play that happened to the Chargers. Phillip Rivers just shovels the ball out of the end zone and takes a safety. No problem. Trubisky had he just scoops up the ball, rolls out, throws it away down the field like it didn't even phase him. And as far as their home schedule, the Bears have had the hardest home schedule in the NFL. They played Atlanta. They played Pittsburgh. They played Minnesota. All those teams as good as Carolina. They have covered every game year to date. Good crossfire. I'm passing. I'm passing that game. Okay, guys, we are down the home stretch. And we save the biggest, most actionable picks for last. So to go from here, I mean, this is this is, sounds super impressive. We've got a sharp money play. We've got a double like, both the boys on the same game. And we've got three best bets. First, though, the least interesting game of the week, because there's an injury, no line on it. It's the Bucks. It's the Bills. Maddie, as the bookmaker, what are we valuing Jamie is uh, is off the board because of Winston. Where do you see his value as being? And there's been a lot of debate about this because there are people on both sides of the fence that are really high or really low on Jameis Winston. In fact, we talked about that pro football focus stat on passes that should be intercepted or shouldn't be. And Jameis Winston has the most throws in the NFL that actually should be intercepted. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen the turnovers and now the injury. But he's still worth something. He's a starting quarterback. He knows the offense. He has a big arm. We made this line around Buffalo minus three with Winston in and about Buffalo four and a half, 4.75, which is like four and a half minus 25 with Winston out. So 1.5 to two seems but coming like off low. three. Coming off three, though, is much more valuable. So let's say two. And maybe even two and a half, though, right? Because sure. three's worth 20 cents. But he's not worth three. And for a starting quarterback in the NFL, anything less than three, it's pretty low. And remember, Fitzpatrick, if you look at the pro football focus, had the fourth best performance last week. So a good backup, we'd have to say. It's all relative. Easy to have a good performance when your team trails 31 to nothing, though, against the prevent defense. I will say. But I think they account for that. I mean, that pro football focus takes pretty much everything in account. Fair, fair enough. I, I do think that. I've got a mistake in my power ratings here. I've got Tampa Bay a half a point worse than an average team, so slightly below average. But that really assumes that Winston's going to be 100%. We all, we've seen this enough times. Whenever a quarterback's questionable, if he winds up playing, he's not at 100%. It's unclear whether he's even better than Fitz. I need to lower that power rating. Pregame.com, that's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell, the bookmaker. He's on the outside. Bookmakers, you know, it, it, we're not... It's a different type of prejudice, but we are prejudiced against bookmakers, Maddie. Uh, even me. Yeah, I mean, but you the least. Okay. Right? You know how... I'm like, going to start ca- having my own little prejudice against handicappers. <laughs> but maybe you guys the least. Uh, okay, I'll <laughs> take right. Hey, listen, I might not be wrong, actually. <laughs> All right, we're hitting the home stretch here. First one, I think the biggest conversation of the week, and I think rightfully so... And when I tweeted this out, and by the way, you can follow me on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. That's right. Thank you, Stephen A. Is I tweeted out that, and and I mean, this is one of those take a breath and pound your fist. Aaron Rodgers right now is the most valuable player in NFL history. The line, if you just do simple math, and this isn't the way to do it, but it's the starting point. 12 and a half points of adjustment from the look ahead line 
when there was no sense he was injured to him being out in the current line. Now, why is 12 and a half not right? Well, when you're going through Pickham and people were struggling with this on Twitter, if you go from minus one to Pickham to plus one, that's two ticks. So it's really like it, it, mathematically on the number line, it's two points, but it's really one point. Not to mention Pickham is the least valuable number there could be because it requires a tie to matter, right? Which I guess is a slightly more valuable with t- the new overtime rules. Oh, good catch. Yes. Right. But, but, you know, still not valuable at all. Um, number two, there's been a, a downgrade of Green Bay because of the offensive line and D back injuries. I think even other than Rodgers. And number three is, you know, you've had an upgrade with the Saints. So I think it's fair to say 10 or 10 plus points of adjustment, which Fez, if you remember back in 2013, we were on ESPN radio talking about this 10 points or so when he broke his collarbone and 13 was what it moved. Yeah. And I moved him 10 myself here, plus one extra point for the injuries that you cited. I'm worried. It might, I might've moved him too much though, just because I'm assuming that their backup quarterback is Hundley's going to play like Scott Tolzien and Surely he probably can play a little well, bit. Well, Hundley's looked excellent in preseasons games, but he had he looked horrible last week, right? And here's my thought on why Rodgers is so let's But get, what a hard spot last week on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, who we all just agreed earlier is a top three defense at home. Yeah, but you know something? Well, you said it, I didn't agree, no. but I, I think I agree. <laughs> he just said because he said it, everyone agreed. <laughs> It's like you didn't you didn't boo me because of it, right? So you must have agreed. That's like I acquiesced, I think we could sure. say. Is I I think that well, one, let's get something straight. Is this is all relative. The old joke is how much was Joe Montana worth? Oh, about a half a point when Steve Young was the backup. So to me, Hunley being slightly below or at least let's say below average makes this a bigger number, right? So Brady with Garoppolo at times, there were people saying three and a half or four, right? Which you might think, wow, Aaron Rodgers no. is three. Th- Who said three and a half or four? Well, you, I mean, Faz, that's, that's, that's where the market was too at different points. I may acquiesce, but I'm ah. not <laughs> well, is that You were looking up acquiesce on your phone? No, I'm and, looking up how you, to boo. I'm looking ah. up the boo sounds. <laughs> All right. So, that's important to realize. But here's the other thing about the most valuable of all time. Quarterbacks matter more now than ever. So it's just like Le'Veon Bell, who's one of the top three or four backs, was worth a half a point last year. Ezekiel Elliott this year. Half a point. But, or maybe a point at the most. We've debated that at length. But if if you had the exact same quality running back in 1976, might have been worth three points. At least. Because running backs were more important. So you combine Rodgers being the most. Barry Sanders, you could have made a case, was four and a half, five points back in his time with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that big, but I think in that range. On his games on artificial turf, not on grass. Yeah, yeah. So Fess was even handicapping back then. (laughs) Hasn't had a straight job this century, (laughs) Fess. Went to Northwestern, though, for those wondering about where to send your kids. (laughs) If you want them to be handicappers. (laughs) It is it's a situation to me that Rogers unequivocally because of how good he is, because his backup's not so good because of how important quarterbacks are. And one last thing, if you listen to the X's and O's guys, they say, Oh, he doesn't throw in rhythm. And because he doesn't throw in rhythm when he, he does have an occasional bad game. And that's what they always point to. Is he getting too old 
not to throw in rhythm anymore because just his great skill allowed him to do that, uh, not throw in rhythm and still be excellent. Well, whatever it is, this offensive line stinks. The The scheme of the offensive line isn't all that great from what the X's and O's guys say about the Packers. And But Rodgers can make it work. It just doesn't matter. He'll run around a little bit. So I think it's going to take a couple of games for Hundley not only to get used to being a starter, but I think the offense play calling is going to have to be so different because they don't have a mobile quarterback. Thus, I think the most valuable player ever. Does anyone disagree with that? No, I don't disagree that he's the most valuable ever, but I still like this spot for Green Bay. I think Hundley's mobile, right? I I think Hundley's a... a, He should be able to run Yeah, but there's a different kind of mobile. If we rated the backups in the NFL, don't you think Hundley's in the top 16? Yeah, I don't feel like I'm an expert enough to judge that, but it feels like it. I mean, top half, yeah. yeah. And the bad game against Minnesota, let's face it. So um, I sit in on your on your the Fox National show sometimes. I'm the big intern in college football with the whiteboard. The writing. most expensive intern. Yeah, writing like little tidbits. Imagine if I go in thinking I'm going to be the intern here, and all of a sudden RJ's like, Fez, I need to talk You're hosting. on college football. It's like, yeah, I'd have a bad game too if I didn't know that, that that promotion was coming. But that brings up an interesting point. It seems like... We just said 10 minutes ago that the reason we thought that Trubisky might be dropping off is because they got tape on him. So which one is it? Is it when you get thrown in and it's because unex- I've seen quarterbacks do amazing when they get thrown in and then because of injury and people say, yeah, but wait till the game plan for him. So which one is it? Is it harder I, to come in cold or is it harder once they got tape on? you? I think it's both. Look, to Fez's <laughs> point against Fitzpatrick, when you come in and you're down 38 to three or 38 to nothing and the team's already playing prevent. It's both. Go ahead. All right. Dance the tightrope. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, then obviously you're going to perform well because the, the defense isn't trying hard anymore and you're down there. You know, you're down 31 nothing. Everyone has good stats against a prevent. And on the other Is there certain types of quarterbacks, though, that are going to do better thrown in and certain types that are going to do better once they have some time well, to prepare? I, I think that Hunley should do better with time to prepare because he was a student at UCLA. He's had over a year in this offense now. So he should be able to grasp it quicker than a guy who would be a rookie. So almost a better coach with extra time in the NCAA tournament. He uses that time more wisely. Hunley, we expect to use the time more wisely. Yes, I agree with that. You know, one thing we're ignoring in this is a a vital factor. The New Orleans Saints, they're a precision passing team. Breeze is awesome in a dome. They're going to Green Bay in October and the weather forecast is not good. The weather forecast calls for some wind and some rain here, potentially, that is worth, it got to be worth three points. How many times have we seen the Saints fall on their sword when they try to throw the ball in the elements outside? All right, so this is a double like, and we had to leave with the big story. And, Fez, you like the pack. Finish your handicap. Yeah, I like the pack, and it's all about I don't like the Saints in bad weather or even suspect weather conditions outdoors. I think everything else has been pretty much properly adjusted, and the weather has not been taken into consideration. Uh, look, I love the weather situation too. And I love, even if it was nice weather, I like fading Drew Brees outside on natural grass anyway. But I always hear about everyone talk about the complexities of a Mike McCarthy offense. And Brett Hundley has been there. This is their guy. This is the heir apparent to, to Aaron Rodgers. I think you could make a case that Brett Hundley is a top eight backup in the NFL right now. And you can expect that he should be in there and at least be an average quarterback 
walking into this game or slightly below, not a, you know, we're not talking about Deshaun Kaiser here. I think a lot of advantages here for Green Bay, and we over-adjusted a little bit too much because uh, the New Orleans Saints look also looked so impressive last week against the Detroit Lions that you can't help but inflate them this week. And they had, what, three non-offensive touchdowns last week, right? The- yeah, they led by 35. It got cut to seven, and it was looking dicey, but the final score says they won by 14. Okay, and this could have been a pros versus Joes, right? 73% of the tickets on the Saints and 57% of the cash on the Packers. And you gave us three super sharp games, Maddie, and one of them was the Pack. So I like the Pack, too. You know, actually, this handicap, the weather thing throws it for me, especially if I can get a six here, man. I like a six. Um, uh, But I agree. Double like Packers, sharp play Packers, public Saints. We don't get any Huey on that one. All right, here we go. Game number 13. This is our sharp. Oh, wait a minute. Do we have a sharp money game? No, that was game 11. No, how somehow we skipped that game. I made a mistake. So we're going to have to back up one guys is, and this is sharp money. So no reason not to be excited. This is a sharp money game, a little out of order from our plan. Bengals Steelers Steelers at home favored by five with some extra juice almost five and a half and the sharp money on this game on the Bengals. Fez, who do you like? Yeah. I lean to Cincinnati, my number one handicap. I'm really worried about big Ben after that five interception game against Jacksonville. I really thought we'd get his absolute best effort. And then against Kansas city, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, which has been awesome year to date wound up in winning the game. And you're going to go ahead and cover a five point spread. You're going to need big Ben to have a big game. I don't know what the problem is. He is just not able to move that offense like he did last year. I completely agree with Fez that the the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So lean or like? A lean Cincinnati. All right, lean. That the Pittsburgh offense has been as disappointing as any, you know, team's offense or defense in the NFL this year outside of maybe the New England Patriots defense. But the Pittsburgh defense has been amazing. This is a game with the number one and number two teams in terms of yards per play allowed per pass play in the NFL. So no one's really going to be throwing the ball in this game anyway too much. You don't figure. Um, And anytime you get into a game with a low total and not a lot of points are expected to be scored, then the points that are out there for you to take with the underdog become much more valuable here at five and a half or six points Division familiarity, division opponent, a desperate Cincinnati team who's trying to get their season back on track, catching almost six points in a game where we're not expected to hit 40. Seems like a steal. Got to lean Bengals. Here's what confuses me. I agree with everything you guys have said. Steelers defense is better than we expected. I think we're moving towards a top seven, top five defense now. Offense, Big Ben problem even with the win last week didn't look great even that brown touchdown was a you know a tip ball or whatever um Le'Veon Bell those ramping up so I don't care if Big Ben I mean if Big Ben becomes a, a John Elway late career John Elway that won two Super Bowls good defense good running game and he can you know complete a third and 13 if you need it maybe you know or almost like well Peyton Manning was so bad statistically that last year this Pittsburgh team's still super competitive so here's what confuses me. The Bengals, we thought, were bottom five in the NFL after the first two games, right? Fez, you had them pretty low. Well, let's take a look. I, I 
I never brought them down that far because their stats were always fairly decent. Although I have to admit, after the Houston loss week two, I made a big downgrade. They missed that the, the lineman Whitworth that went over to the Rams. Huge O line problems. How bad is their lineman, RJ? They picked up Mixon. This kid's a stud running back. All right, they already had um, Bernard. They already um, had two really good running backs, and Mixon and company are running for three point two yards per rush. They can't run the ball at all, which makes me. Although I lean Bengals, but I like to have one total. I don't see where the points are coming from. And, in this and don't game. both of these teams rank in the bottom five in yards per play on running plays? Yeah, I mean they have Mixon and Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill, and you go, wow, look, think of these running backs and Le'Veon Bell on the other side. Yet they're both in the bottom five in the NFL in yards per play per rush, and on the other side, they're number one and number two in defending the pass in yards per play. This game just doesn't have enough points not to take the underdog. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand. I, I love the saying, every spread tells a story. Home field is three. Pittsburgh's a little better than three at home, but let's just call it three. So that means there's two points of difference on a neutral. And I know we're coming off of three, but I mean, what is the line Pittsburgh minus two against the Bengals on a neutral? That's right where I'm, my power rating is. Two and a it. half. Jeez. So the Bengals, their O line still that bad, and they're still that, and they're that good. Their defense is really good; it's been playing extremely effective. And you know, part of it is the Bengals with all those weapons. We're forecasting there has to be improvement, but there hasn't been. Pregame.com. Here we go, guys. We're heading down. We're heading down to three best bets. There's three of us here. There's three best bets. Here's our new best bet theme sponsor in the show. Don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. Okay, Blossom is not sponsoring the show. I was joking. Best bet time, guys. We're going to start with Maddie Holt on the Rams and the Cardinals. Let's keep the win streak going here. Uh, L.A. Rams, a team that I think we were all on last week in a favorable spot. We talked about them two weeks entering the red zone five times against the Seattle Seahawks, but only coming away with three points due to turnovers and unfortunate events there. Last week, we saw them not have those same unfortunate events and have a very positive game against Jacksonville. The one big thing for me here that stands out in this game is familiarity with the London trip. We talked about it earlier this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars, that their familiarity with this London trip over the Baltimore Ravens. Jacksonville absolutely waxed Baltimore 44-7. The Rams just went and played the Giants in London last year. They did this trip last year. They have familiarity with this trip, what it takes to go, prepare, get there, deal with the time difference. The, the Arizona Cardinals have not. I think that there are three points separating these teams anyway at this point. Even if this was a neutral field in the U.S., I would like the Rams. Give me the added bonus of familiarity with the London trip. Got to go big, the L.A. Rams. Okay, interesting. This line has moved. Opened up two, up to three and a half minus 105. How much, I mean, you don't like going through three there, obviously. No, you, you can't like going through three. And, and I, I played this line once at three, but I would still say it's a great bet at three and a half. I mean, look, the other game, we haven't seen a lot of great games in London. 20 to nothing, Saints 44-7, Jacksonville. 
I mean, I think the Rams blow them out. I can't let a half a point talk me off it. And I don't think it has to talk you off of it. A little line move projection. I'm not sure it's going to happen game day Sunday. I think this is going to leak down to three. I think you're going to be able to lay three on Friday and Saturday. And is that because of sharp money on Arizona? I know of one group that likes the dog here, but they're wrong. I, I like the favorite, and I think Maddie nailed it. And just to elaborate on it, the when you've been to London, you when you go the first time, you get distracted. Oh, let's go see Big Ben. Let's go see the sights. Bring some family members. All a bad idea. And so what happens, Arizona, in my opinion, is making a huge mistake. Oh, let's fly out early. Let's acclimate to London. Get there on Tuesday. Yeah, like climb Everest. Let me get. Let me go into upper base camp like for four days before I try to climb it, and I'm totally gassed. No. Whereas the flip side, the Rams, they go to Jacksonville. So they don't have to go from the West Coast all the way to London. They stay in Jacksonville. They stay normal work routine through Thursday. They're flying to London on Thursday. Thursday, they don't have anything to see as a tourist because they've been there already. That is the uh, the basic strategy, best way to prepare for London, and they're following it to a T. We didn't prepare for this, but it's five extra hours for Arizona and the Rams, right? Than a, a New York team flying to London. Does does that matter? I mean, do, does that make the effect all the more pronounced? How do we three account extra for- hours, right, for Arizona? Well, I mean, I know team. LA to New York is five. Right. So Arizona is coming from the South. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Yeah. The irony, four. the irony is, couldn't they have put this game like in, in uh, Western Mexico someplace? Wow. <laughs> they cared about this three hours, <laughs> but they have it. There's a game in Mexico this year, isn't there? You, yeah. You would Patriots think or Raiders. Been, yeah. This would have been a better candidate. Yes. Last question. I'm worried if I were betting the Rams on Peterson, because it seems to me you had an Arizona team that came in with high expectations. Fez, you were fairly high on them. And obviously they lost a running back, which was key. And then Carson's looking old and we were really, we've bet against Arizona a good bit, but now with Peterson, doesn't he, at least for a few games, give them a shot in the arm? I don't know. I think it worked one time last week. And right. I thought last week was going to be the time it didn't work. I figured he didn't know the offense. How was he going to play well last week? I I agree. I don't think very many people did see it being as productive as it was last week, but I don't know that he's a fit. One of the great things that made David Johnson such a good fit in that offense was his ability to catch the football, which is not a strength of Adrian Peterson. I don't think this is an offense that you can completely recreate on the fry on the fly. And let's face it. They almost blew that game last week. After having that big lead, I'm not sure that Adrian Peterson is the spark that is suddenly going to make me want to back the Arizona Cardinals in this spot. Two games to go. Next up, my best bet. You might say, oh, public pounder, this wise guy, blah, blah, blah. What's it all mean? Well, we try to explain what it means, and it means something. But what best bets mean are very, very explicit. It means we, as bettors here in Las Vegas, and... Fez is a full-time professional batter. Maddie is a full to the biggest bookmaker in Vegas. And I bet a lot, right? I run my business too, run pregame, do a lot of media, but I bet a lot. And, and all these games were taken off the rubber band, as they say. What are you doing? Why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why this guy carries money in a roll? And I'll be betting the 49ers, my best bet, plus six, six and a half in some spots. Listen, Elliot on the field, off the field. I don't really care to be candid. I mean, because they'll probably run more with them. And if I'm getting six and a half, I don't mind that game slowing down a little bit. But I think the distraction, the distraction is the issue. 
play, not play, play, not play. It's a distraction. Number two, I think that the Cowboys are the one of only a handful of teams that haven't played since all the hubbub about the commissioner putting out the letter saying stand for the anthem and all of that. And Jerry Jones was front and center going in a way against the players. Now he's saying, oh, I was taking the heat for you. Doesn't change, Joe. So now he said, if you, Neil, you're not playing for me. Now, are you telling me there's not one player that haven't, they or the players haven't talked that through? Like, what do we do? Do we all kneel together to show what are you going to do? Not fire all of us, right? Imagine the publicity if they all kneeled together. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I'm saying it's a discussion. And when they're discussing that, they're not thinking about football. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong to be distracted. I'm just saying I want to make money from their distraction. I'll be very candid about that. And 49ers, we've got our 0-4 or worse trend, 56%. We also have a historic number of close losses. Only team ever to lose five in a row by a field goal or less. And they were so tired last week. Road game overtime, road game overtime, road game down big at halftime. And they fought back there. If you fight back there, you fight back anywhere. Shanahan has a plan. Trust the process. So I don't think they're down about being 0 for 6. And because of that, I think 49ers plus 6. Really, really, really worth taking off the rubber band. Fast thoughts. Yeah, I agree strongly. I think the key to winning, betting these winless teams in the NFL is let's do a little bit of a um, uh, filtering. And let's take out a team like Cleveland that has no quarterback. And maybe we take out any team that has huge locker room problems. We don't have any of those issues. We have an excited team. A new quarterback here, actually, that we think is an upgrade. Right. Well, I thought Hogan would work for Cleveland well, as well. But but yes, I think it, we're speculators, as Warren Gecko would say. This looks to be an identical spot that we had with Cleveland. Only Cleveland had lost uh, 19 of their last 20 games. San Francisco is not a historic doormat punching bag. Here's a team with a long history going back of being competitive. They've got what everyone considers to be a very good coach that the team should be improving. I like the play. I don't know. This is the one thing that I always wonder about when a new quarterback starts. And this is why I wasn't as high on Kevin Hogan as you were last week. Um, (laughs) Is CJ Brethard the quarterback of the future for the San Francisco 49ers? And does anybody believe that? Because if he's just some Band-Aid being thrown in on an 0-5 team to be quarterback for a few games. But, but I think right now, Kirk Cousins, everyone knows Cousins is going back to Shanahan. That, I mean, uh, that, 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 we all least, know that? Well, that's, that seems to be the narrative in the media. I don't know. I just haven't seen enough of this quarterback yet. I saw him at Iowa where they didn't throw the football very much. I, I'm not disagreeing with your side, but I, you know, you you pretty much made me stick to the paper, and I wrote lean Dallas, so I'm trying to make no, the no, case and, now. And, and if I could, <laughs> listen, if you say RJ, you were so convincing, I want to recant. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. Like yeah. I feel like the big unknown to me in this game isn't whether or not Ezekiel Elliott's going to play. It's not whether or not the national anthem thing is still lingering within a certain team's locker room. It's who is this quarterback and what but do you do? Do you think it's like it's better than a 50% chance it's a downgrade? Because I would play this with Hoyer. I'd play the same game with Hoyer. Okay, I, then that's okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the upside with the quarterbacks above. In fact, I'd almost rather have Hoyer because I think I'd get more consistent. Like, I know what I'm getting there. Uh, and maybe that's why this is a high variance game. Maybe this is a money line play. 
Right? That's interesting. But San Francisco has not been a high variance oh, you team. Know, actually, they asked me out on Adam, and I gave your answer. I didn't think of it now. Is if you get a tight game late, well, what I said was, listen, this team's lost a ton of close games. If you're in a tight game late, you're probably going to feel a little lack of self-confidence, right? Self-perpetuating. You're not winning these close games. So, But I do think it's a slightly higher variance because the quarterback question mark. All right, guys, one game left. That is the only two-time Super Contest champion. You're going to get his best bat, Steve Fezzik. You can follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. you have any sound of any famous people doing your Twitter? None. Okay. Uh, well, RJ you, Bell. I got RJ. All right, here it is. <laughs> at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezzik Sports. Guys, he... If you want to get wise cracks during the games where he's hitting, he's, he's done less of that on coaches. This is where to do. He's telling you when they should have called timeout. Also always links to always free stuff, including videos. If you like videos, him and Brad powers. We also mentioned he's on the college preview dream pod last or this week. Check that out. Also all kind of good stuff. Physics sports, by the way, Maddie Holt, your Twitter, you got any famous sound? At Matthew Holt VP, uh, do you do it? I'm going to get hold on, UFC hold Hall of Famer Stephen Bonner to do one tomorrow at the podcast, will and you? I will bring it in next week. Is UFC Bonner, Hall of Famer, do, do you know Stephen him, Bonner? Who? Stephen Bonner, UFC Hall of Famer. Is, Is there any? Can you get uh, Dana White? Maybe you could, If you get Dana White, we'll use it. Okay, I deal. Or <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or if you get um, Ronda Rousey. Okay. A UFC Hall of Famer isn't good enough? I mean, it's good if I you're mean, a Ronda UFC will never nerd. Make the Hall of Fame. I Ron- wouldn't fight the guy, I'll tell you that. Man. I'd like to see the Ronda Rousey. Ooh, fast. Yeah, Ronda doesn't live here, though. That one's trickier. <laughs> uh, how about John Anik? You see, who's more famous? Oh, John and I are friends. I, I know no John. problem, John Anik. Well, John if you get John, I'll friends. do it, too, because okay. I, I, John's been on my radio show a bunch. Great like guy, it. very good friend of mine. How about Joe Rogan? You know Joe Rogan? Joe and I do not know each other. That's interesting the way you said Joe and I, like, like there was a relationship there. <laughs> no, I we, love that. We've pod. done a couple of podcasts together in the past, but I don't know him personally. You did a pod but with John Rogan? and I are very good friends. Okay. Yeah. Rogan. If I, I mean, one of the Annex, most, one of the, I, I was never happier to see anyone get promoted to a spot than I was to see John get his current. He's job. a really nice guy. He's, he's unbelievably nice. And he worked incredibly hard to get where he is. That's great to hear it. Cause he's always been kind with me. Um, Listen, if you listen to us, chances are you've heard Rogan on the pods before, on his pods, but uh, I think one of the best out there. I mean, to me, it's Kroll and him are one and two in some order and uh, great stuff. If you like really deep dives, he does like three hours of crack. All right, Fez, best bet? Best bet, Denver Broncos plus one and a half against the L.A. Chargers. No, they're not the L.A. Chargers. They're still the San Diego Chargers. They have zero, zero home field advantage. I've never done this before. I know they're in their home city, but you know what? It's difficult psychologically to go and play and see all the visiting team's jerseys at your stadium to be booed by what's supposed to be your home stadium, Chargers. Six games this year, you bet the road team, you're 6-0 and against the spread. Yes, it's that simple. I think everyone agrees Denver's the slightly better team, and the odds makers keep giving the Chargers three for home field, and it's totally undeserved, not to mention the fact that that we have two situations going on. What are the Chargers adept at? Losing close games. They were losing close games last year. Well, this year, Coach Lynn has been very much criticized for his clock management. Like, there's no reason to expect them suddenly to start winning all these close games. And Denver, we talk about this all this time, public humiliation. They lost as a 13 and a half 
14 point favorite at Cantor CGT Gaming. Uh, that type of loss is enough to get every player's attention. They will have this game absolutely circled. We'll get their 11 in spinal tap effort. Broncos win. Look, I love Fez, but we <laughs> d- we did not. Give, with, all due had, respect. with all due respect, we didn't give too much love to the L.A. Chargers here. We opened this game Denver minus two and a half, thinking they might bet Denver up to three and real sharp dollars wagered move this line from Denver minus two and a half to Chargers minus one and a half. We didn't give them too much love. The better said we didn't give them enough. And but again, we never know. We never know. And you, you probably have a feel as well as anyone behind the counter, Maddie. But is this the real move or is this they're hoping to get and again, it's not around key numbers. So, so I could tell you what happens on Mondays. We open up our numbers like everybody else does. You know, Sunday nights for college, Monday for NFL. And when the market opens, we take significantly lower limits. Every book does than they would from Wednesday or Thursday on, depending on which book it is. For us, it's Wednesday. Um, but those numbers move lines more than the $100,000 bets we take on weekends because they're only from sharp. The public doesn't come in on Monday. Only sharp people do. But how do you balance dummying up the game where they can dummy up the game at limits so much cheaper by moving it one way and coming back? So it's not just us. We also have to monitor the market. So when we're getting hit and we're seeing the market moving as well, we know everyone's getting hit. You just got to go. I'm pretty confident that that sharp money was being based upon no consideration of the factors I'm talking about, but just the fact that Simeon was banged up and the Denver wide receivers got banged up in the game. So it was another factor. But, that it, was but, as, but now we're on Wednesday. And if that doesn't look to be as much the case, why not move? Why isn't the line being bet back? It is being bet back. The line when you could have gotten Denver plus two. There are no more plus twos to be had. And it's leaking downward. And, and here's what I'll say too: this game reminds me almost identically to the Philadelphia Chargers game which is it didn't make sense that this clearly better team was getting points at the worst home field. I think maybe there's a, a, a listen, these syndicates are not perfect, right? Obviously, maybe they're just not seeing how not only is there a lack of home field advantage here, but it's also the fact that when you're on the road and, and, and you're playing better because you're almost a relief to be on the road, it's skewing your numbers in a way to make you look better because you're playing so well on the road. It's like the, the Pulp Fiction song, right? Cesla V, you never can tell. And look, last year, remember, we saw the Sharps be really stingy and bet the Cleveland Browns every week. They were they just wouldn't stop doing it, right? This year, the Sharp players have bet the L.A. Chargers almost every single week of the season. It was our joke last week. I'd get a text, sharp money on the Jets, sharp money on the Browns. It's another good spot for both teams. And here's what I'll say to end it is to me, I think the wise guys being so heavy on the Chargers this year, and I think some of last year, has to do with the fact that they know close losses are coin flips. And seeing all those close losses, this team intrinsically is going to be underrated. But I don't think they're... I think at this line, the Chargers have to be an equal team to a motivated Denver team. And I don't think they are. And that's actually one of my uh, picks with Adam Carolla... Denver Broncos, so I agree with you, Fez, on that one for sure. Hey, guys, great show. An hour 36, so not too crazy long. The boys were awesome. Remember, check out the College Football Dream Preview. You can follow me on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. I'll talk to you there. 
Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, my name is James Petrogallo. I'm Jimmy Wisman. Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports. So fun. You like sports? You don't have to. Let's just set up a context and find out what an idiot did wrong. What I do like you say? It. I'm in. We're going to do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace. grace. And That's then right. watch them fall from grace, Who as they inevitably like do. Join us. Big criminals, small criminals, sports you've never heard of. Doesn't matter. It's the crime. It's the comedy. It's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for Crime in Sports. You can join us every Tuesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people. Hi there, my name is Susie Schuster. And I'm Rich Eisen. We're teaming up once again in the studio with our new podcast, Not Just Sports, with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen on Podcast One Sports. In case you're wondering what this show's about, sometimes we're not just sports. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? And that we actually like being in each other's We do. Enough to work together and I think have so. three kids. That's why we haven't spent enough time together that we're sitting here at Podcast One. So we're sportscasters and we're parents, so we'll talk sports and maybe parental guidance will be suggested every now and then. I would hope so, because this is not an X-rated podcast. No, that's correct. This is a family-friendly podcast. It is exactly that. So we're just going to be hanging out, talking sports and other stuff. And I will try to educate you on all things in the NFL, because, Thank of you. course, behind every great man is a greater woman. That's correct. There you go. Join us every Wednesday exclusively on Podcast One. Subscribe today if you know is good for you on Apple Podcasts or at podcastone.com or download it on the new Podcast One app.